Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Who should the Bucks really use a franchise player tag on? Jameis Winston or Shaq Barrett? We'll tell you how the NFL's collective bargaining agreement may impact that decision. And what's the to-do list for Jason Light and Bruce Arians at the NFL Combine this week? Monty Kiffin will go into the ring of honor. The Bucks surprised him with the news at his 80th birthday party. And Gerald McCoy says it would be a storybook ending to finish his career at Raymond James Stadium playing in the Super Bowl. And not necessarily for the Bucks. The Lightning lose two in a row, and they lay an egg in Phoenix. What will they do before today's trade deadline? They just signed Zach Bogosian from the Sabres. Remember him, defenseman? We've got all that, and yes, the Vipers lose again. Is it too early to put the XFL coach on the hot seat? On this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. All right, before we get started on all that, uh, some, some sad news. Of course, we all remember uh, last year's draft, Devin White, the fifth overall pick. Uh, if you remember, the, the draft was in Nashville, Tennessee, and Casey Reynolds, who was a young fan, Bucks fan, uh, from Mayfield, Maysfield, Georgia, um, who uh, you know, was part of a Make-A-Wish Foundation situation there where he uh, had the opportunity to announce the Bucks' first pick at the draft. I mean, with Roger Goodell there and and everything, it was really a cool experience. And then after uh, Devin White was picked, uh, Coach Bruce Arians, who has survived cancer twice himself, um, arranged for Reynolds and his parents to accompany White, um, you know, on a private plane down to Tampa. The sad news was that the Bucks announced on Sunday on their Twitter account that Reynolds had died after a three-year battle with uh, Hodgkin lymphoma. He was only 19 years old. So um, got to meet got to meet him and his family, great family. Um, you know, the, the kid was, uh, uh, had, had developed kind of a, a neat bond in such a short time. Uh, and not just with, you know, this is the kind of kid he was, not, not, not just with uh, Devin White. Um, when he found out about his Make-A-Wish uh, date, that he was going to go to Nashville, they had uh, Mike Evans actually uh, tape the invitation, and they played it at uh, Reynolds High School. And then when he got to Tampa, uh, you know, Mike Evans is such a great guy, and there's a lot of great guys in that locker room. He came over when when Devin arrived and, and Casey was with him, and those guys spent a good amount of time together in the facility playing pool, just shooting pool, just two dudes shooting pool. So... Um, you know, in fact, Mike, uh, you know, reacted. He he tweeted out, you know, after hearing this, he said, uh, "This one hurts, man." This is Mike Evans. He says, "You know, uh, you love the squad regardless of the outcome. It was great getting to know you. Rest in peace, my friend." So sad story there, and um, you know, one that I uh, I know a lot of people will remember. Uh, Casey Reynolds uh, forever uh, announcing that Devin White was the uh, was the fifth pick overall for the Bucks. So the NFL Combine is this week, and uh, certainly we'll get into all the Bucks uh, to-dos that they have coming up with all those college players. But more importantly, it's the time to discuss contracts with uh, their 19 free agents or, their, or the representatives of their 19 free agents. 
and the CBA may impact that. We'll talk about that in a bit. You know, here's the thing. We know that Bruce Arians wants to retain as many of his defensive, you know, front seven guys as he can. And, um, you know, with, with so many guys on the, on the defensive line or outside linebackers like JPP and Jack Barrett and, um, you know, Domicon Sue in, inside at tackle and Carl Nassib being free agents, uh, they're going to need the money. They're going to they're going to have to come up with some um, some funds, and they have it. I mean, they're ninety five or so million dollars under the salary cap, but you're looking at the quarterback situation as well. And, and so, you know, they're sitting here right now with an opportunity. Uh, in fact, because the CBA is still in the process of being ratified, they moved back the date for the deadline to a, to uh, apply a franchise or transition player tag. It's now going to be March March 12th I believe it was March 10th so they moved it back two days um, so some of this uh, you know ratification process can take place um, but I wrote a column in Sunday's Tampa Bay uh, Times you can read it on tampabay.com uh, and you know if you really look at this situation between uh, you know the quarterback and and Shaquille Barrett remember uh, during the year at the end of the year actually Bruce Arians was asked about Barrett, who, let's face it, I mean, the guy had just a remarkable year, and no one could have anticipated that. It was still stunning that really he had you know two teams look at him in free agency. One was the Cincinnati Bengals, who didn't offer him a deal. The other was the Bucks, who gave him a one-year, $4 million deal. And he went out there, and he won the Deacon Jones Award. I mean, he led the NFL in sacks with 19.5. He had nine in the first four weeks, six forced fumbles. I mean, he should have been... Uh, given more consideration or some consideration for defensive player of the year, and he was not. Uh, so that was kind of a, a ridiculous snub. Um, but, you know, he, he's 27 years old, and he's a guy that's absolutely hit the lottery. I mean, he, he he's a free agent at a time uh, where he just led the NFL in sacks. So now is his time to get paid, and he's going to get paid by somebody. It's just a question of whom. And if you remember Arian saying uh, when asked about Barrett, um, that he said, quite frankly, quote, he ain't going anywhere. Um, definitively, he ain't going anywhere. And what's interesting about that comment is there's really only one way uh, to prevent a free agent from ain't, from not going anywhere, and that is you apply a franchise player tag um, or a transition player tag if you have use of one, uh, or you sign them to a long-term deal. Now, this week is all about meeting with Drew Rosenhaus, Jack Barrett's agent. Um, they'll begin uh, negotiating a contract, which might be tricky to do, uh, because, uh, you know, again, he's done it one season, right? And yet he's absolutely looking. I mean, this is his final bite of the apple. He's 27. He's not going to probably get another free agent deal. Uh, and so he's going to want as much money as he can get, and you can't blame him for that. But the thing is, if you contrast that with what Arians has said about Jameis Winston, which is, well, let's see what's behind door number two, those two sentences don't match, right, Steve? I mean, it's like, you know, on the one hand, you're saying, we ain't letting Shaq Barrett out of here. And the other hand, you're saying, yeah, we either got to make our guy better or we'll see what's behind door number two. You know, the question is, is uh, are those the real comments or is that all part of a negotiation? Could be. Could be. You're absolutely is right. Is it all saying, it's... Jameis, you're not worth $27 million, the franchise mm-hmm. tag. We want to do a deal with you, but it's not mm-hmm. at that. You're not getting paid that level by us because, mm-hmm. you know, 30 interceptions wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. That, that, it, it could be it could be purely a negotiation tactic. I mean, sure Bruce could. Arians is known to be pretty forthright and honest and, and not mince yep. words, but it doesn't mean those words weren't used in different ways where Shaq Barrett's a negotiation. Hey, we're willing to pay you, but be yeah. reasonable about it. Right. We absolutely want you. Yeah, and we're, we're not, we're not afraid to here. franchise tag you. So 
Sure. But let's talk and let's let's come to an equitable deal that works for both sides. Yeah, there's both no of those question. could be negotiations or they could be his real feelings. And that's the thing. You don't know. We don't know. And and it's it's absolutely fair to say that it could just be leverage. There's there's no question about that. I, here's where I think it makes if 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 they're going to use the franchise player tag the, and 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 you know again with this CBA the way it works is you know on a year where there's you know the final year of a collective bargaining agreement which is 2020 um, teams if if they don't have an extension to that agreement will be able to use both a franchise player tag and a transition player tag. Now, for those of you who, you know, we throw these terms around a lot just to just to give you an idea of what that means. The franchise player tag basically gives a team pretty much, you, you, there's different kinds of tags within the franchise, but you can basically make it exclusive to where some team would have to give you a minimum of two number one picks if you decided, you know, for some reason that that you didn't want them. But but basically, it guarantees the player, it locks him up on your team, it guarantees the player uh, the average of the top five uh, salaries at his position. So, uh, you know, in this case, if you're an edge rusher, they'll have to determine what he is because they play 3-4. So outside linebacker, the franchise number is a little bit lower. It's probably in the $16, $17 million range. Uh, a 4-3 defensive end edge rusher is probably closer to 18 to $20 million. Um, so there'll be negotiations about what he really is. But it, it guarantees the player a one-year contract, and you know it, it basically takes away free agency for all intents and purposes. And so, the reason why that makes more sense, the franchise player tag makes more sense for Shaq Barrett is simply because he's done it one year. Look, no one is expecting Shaq Barrett. I think it'd be foolish for anyone to say that he's going to go out there and lead the NFL again next season, and he's probably not going to come close to nineteen and a half sacks. I would expect he'd get a lot more attention. The dynamics might be different on the defense. We don't know who else is going to be playing on the other side. I mean, it got a lot easier for him, I think, uh, you know, uh, when Ch- when um, Jason Pierre-Paul started humming, uh, even though he got off to a great start. But, again, as he became more well-known, then you start getting the chips and the tight ends over there, and they start paying all the attention to you. So they're going to have to have other players re-signed. But what's, the, what's the harm in using the franchise player tag to at least, if you can't get a deal, over these next few uh, few weeks, um, you know, to tie him up, lock him down, uh, and and then maybe even go into next season and see how he plays. You know, you at any point um, you can always go back in there and say, hey, let we want to do a, an extension with you. So if he starts out fast and you go, yeah, he's he's everything we thought he would be, and you know, let's lock him up for a three or four year deal at eighty million dollars or whatever it is. Um, you can certainly do that. On the other hand, you can also you know, make sure he's not a one-hit wonder. And I don't think he is. I mean, he's got too many good good moves and work ethic, and he's been honing his craft, you know, for five years with the Denver Broncos before he got here. Uh, but for a guy that had 14 career sacks and now had 19 and a half in his only year as a starter, there is a little bit of an unknown, right? There's a little bit of a, hmm, let's, you know, what do we got here, you know? What, I mean, what is this guy really going to be? So the franchise player tag works in that instance. Um, you know, and with Winston... Um, look, if you're, if you're not willing to pay him, first of all, if, if they, you know, at any point, at any point, the Bucks could have said, or Arians could have said, Jameis Winston's our quarterback next year. Now we're going to try to get a deal with him, but, but we're, we're perfectly fine with Jameis being our quarterback and we, we will have him back one way or the other. Nobody has said that. Um, in fact, they keep talking about door number two. 
And and so if they had two tags, if this new CBA is not extended and you have the transition player, that guarantees a player the average salary of the top 10 players at his position, which would be less than the $27 million as a franchise player. Um, probably a little north of what he made last year, which was around $21 million. But nonetheless, Jameis could then go out as a transition player into free agency and get an offer sheet from another team. And if he did, uh, and it was more than the Bucks wanted to pay, let's say the Miami Dolphins or the Jacksonville Jaguars or somebody just decides we're going to you know, offer Jameis a, you know, a three-year deal with, you know, I don't know, $60 million or $70 million guaranteed, um, and the Bucks didn't want to match it, well, he would walk. He would go to this other team, and the Bucks would get nothing. They would get no compensation, no compensatory picks. Whereas if they let Jameis go into free agency and he sign and he were to sign with another team, um, they're they're gonna get, you know, something back in return in terms of a compensatory pick. Now the risk is you can't put your quarterback out there and expect to get him back. I mean, he he then becomes a free agent and you better be ready to move on and move on quickly with one of the others um that, that you've been talking to and that's suitable for you. Uh, and I think that's what this week is all about in Indianapolis. I know we're not at the legal, what we call the legal tampering period, where you can negotiate deals with with free agents from other teams. Um, that's going to be like uh, I think March 16 through 18. Um, and and yet we're you know we're not also not naive enough to think that you know there won't be discussions with with agents that represent guys on other teams. Uh, those talks will happen. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. It goes on all the time. I think you're going to see the quarterback, you know, sort of carousel start to spin and then slow down and maybe even stop for a while because, you know, obviously New England needs to know what they're doing with with Tom Brady. The the Los Angeles Chargers want to know. Um, you know, there's just so many quarterbacks. Carolina Panthers have to make a decision on Cam Newton. You know, are the Oakland Raiders going to get Brady and then make, you know, Derek Carr available for trade? What about Andy Dalton? You know, does Cincinnati look like that Joe Burrow will go there. There'll be a lot of discussion about that this week, I'm sure. Um, so there's just so many moving parts, and, and that's what that's what the combine in this week's all about. Because every certified player agent is there. They have to go up there to get their certification each year. Uh, they make it to the combine. All the teams are there. Uh, you know, very often, um, you know, all the general managers come. Sometimes a few of the owners, even if you're Jerry Jones. And so I think a lot of that will happen, you know, sort of this week. But I'm curious, um, and it could be leverage. It could just be negotiating. Uh, but I'm really curious what's going to happen. Now, the best case scenario would be that the Bucks do reach an agreement uh, and announce an extension for Shaq Barrett, and you still have the franchise tag player player tag available. But the question always gets back to this. Do the Bucks want to pay Jameis Winston $27 million? I have a firm belief they don't. Um, I, I just don't, I, I don't think they want to do that. Does that mean that Jameis won't be back? No. Um, they may reach an agreement that's somewhere south of that, or they may use the transition tag on them, I suppose, or maybe even, you know, if it comes to it and they feel like they can't do any better, uh, maybe they do go with the franchise franchise player tag if they can get a deal with Barrett. But Barrett seems to be the key to this thing because I'm telling you, Bruce Arians, if he said it once, he said it 20 times, he really wants to keep this defense together. He feels like that they made such great strides, especially in the secondary, that if he can keep that front seven together, um, that that's going to help any quarterback that plays, that without some of those guys, especially a Shaq Barrett, they're not going to be very good. And so I think that's sort of where where he's coming from. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, this CBA is dangling out there. Now the reps – 
have decided. I think they're going to have a call on Tuesday uh, with the players' union. Uh, there's all kinds of angst after the NFL sort of leaked what this deal was because uh, the owners have approved it, and, and I think the players are a little bit. What's the hurry? You know, we're still we got another year. Why? Like, why is this? Why is this happening right now? And I, I think that the, you know, that the the union uh, heads that have helped negotiate this just want to make sure they present it the right way. Um, but but you know, I, they it seems like that that the at least the leadership thinks this is something that the union should should pass. And I guess we'll hear more about that on Tuesday as they all um, kind of get together and have their conference calls and whatnot. All right, as far as the to-do list, and you can read this story on TampaBay.com, uh, I'll just go through some of it quickly. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, they're going to have to start to begin to determine which of the 19 unrestricted free agents they want back and negotiate with them, and that includes guys like Pierre Paul and Sue and Carl Nassib and, um, you know, even Brashard Perriman, you know, uh, for that matter. So uh, that's something that they're going to have to do for sure. Jason Light, the Bucks GM, uh, has not even talked about the 2019 season. Uh, he's going to do that. They'll meet the media. I think uh, Jason Light speaks on Tuesday at 11. Or no, I'm sorry, Bruce Arian speaks uh, Tuesday at 11 a.m. Jason Light follows at noon. So we'll hear from both of those uh, gentlemen in front of the media at the combine. They're going to have to uh, do their intel, of course, on all the other quarterbacks that might become available for trade. Whether you're talking about Cam Newton or Dalton or Derek Carr, uh, and and for the first time since 2015. They're going to be scouting quarterbacks. Uh, they have not done that since they drafted Jameis Winston in, in earnest, but I'm, I am convinced that they will draft a quarterback somewhere uh, in, in this NFL draft. Now, probably not at number 14 overall, uh, but the players that they're going to take a good look at, that they should take a good look at, are uh, Georgia's Jake, Jake Fromm, uh, Jacob Eason from Washington, uh, even Utah State's Jordan Love, although I suspect he'll go somewhere in the first round, so that might be might be too soon for him, but they, they definitely, uh, whether this, you know, they're looking for a starter next year. I don't think that's the case necessarily, uh, but they have to have some guy in the pipeline that's you know able to develop at least into a strong number two, because right now all they have is Ryan Griffin, who uh, we know haven't, hasn't played a lot of football and he's, uh, he's already 30. Uh, and some of the players are going to watch, of course, really closely. The mock drafts are coming out. I know I was on a call with Mel Kuyper the other day, um, you know, you'll hear a lot about Javon Kinlaw, who's a, uh, uh, an outside linebacker from South Carolina. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, he's, he's a defensive tackle, not the, he, he's a defensive tackle from South Carolina. He's probably going to go much higher than when the Bucks choose at 14. Um, Kelevon, uh, Chazen, uh, who is an outside linebacker, another LSU linebacker. You could pair him with Devin white, uh, a guy that, uh, I think they'd be lucky to have if he were still there. And then of course, they, they're going to have to look at some offensive linemen. I mean, Jadrick Wills, Alabama. you got Andrew Thomas of Georgia. I think there's a good, a really good chance that the Bucks at 14 either take an offensive or a defensive lineman there uh, and then go looking at the quarterbacks and some of the other needs that they have. But um, those are the two, I think, biggest needs, especially with the number of free agents they have on defense. All right, Steve, so I, I think it was on, uh, I want to say Friday night, I was uh, enjoying, you know, a nice adult beverage and thought that the that the week was pretty much behind me. And then it turns out that the Bucks threw a surprise 80th birthday party for Monty Kiffin. But that wasn't the surprise. <laughs> the surprise was that they announced that he's going to be inducted into the team's ring of honor this year. How about that? That's really cool. I mean, 
you and I were discussing a little bit before the podcast, but mm-hmm. it wasn't the next name up I would have had. Mm. I mean, but I guess I wouldn't have even. How many assistant coaches are in Ring of Honors? You almost never. You don't see many, uh, if any. I mean, to be honest with you, certainly there's none with the Bucks. I mean, this, he'll be the 14th person to go into the ring, mm-hmm. and we know they have several head coaches. Obviously, with uh, John McKay, the first head coach, and John Gruden, who won the Super Bowl, and Tony Dungy. Um, but this is, you know, the first assistant coach, which is really interesting. I mean, Monty came here, um, you know, under Tony and. You know, it was generally regarded early on, at least, as as Tony's defense. I mean, you know, he uh, played for the Steelers, and they ran the cover two there. And in Minnesota, of course, he did it as well. Uh, and it be, but but the Bucks did it so well that they kind of got renamed the Tampa two, and that was all under Monty Kiffin, who not only uh, was he Tony's defensive coordinator, he also became John Gruden's defensive coordinator. In fact, uh, and this is something that he bristles about at times, but. He was going to be Bill Parcells' defensive coordinator uh, before Parcells left them at the altar. Um, Parcells had already made the decision, I think, with the Glazers' help, um, that that Monty and the entire defensive staff, including Ron Marinelli and Joe Barry and all those guys, that they were going to stay, uh, even though you know they they were going to move on from Tony Dungy, and so in the offensive staff as well. Um, but you know, Parcells didn't come. John Gruden did, and Gruden was told you can't hire any coaches. <laughs> um, you, you, we, you know, at least on the defensive side, dude, we've already got those guys under contract. They didn't want any of them leaving. It was a smart move by the Glazers to do that. Uh, and John had to, you know, form a relationship with with Kiffin and some others that he frankly didn't really know. Uh, and they, you know, I mean, that defense was good for so long. I mean, for twelve years, uh, twelve or thirteen years, Monty was here. Um, you know, they were, they were at the top of the charts in terms of, uh, you know, points, the fewest points allowed and, uh, defensive touchdowns and, 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 you know, scoring and all that stuff. Um, they were just, they were good for more than a decade under Monty Kiffin. Uh, and he's a character, you know, this is the other, if anybody knows Monty, um, you know, with the hair askew and the, the high, the voice goes really high when he talks and, um, you know, he, he was just one of the real characters of the game. And so they had this birthday party for him. I think it was at the stadium club over there at Raymond James. And they surprised him with it. And um, then they then they told him he was going in the ring of honor. So I think he turns 80 in a couple of days. I don't think he was 80 yet. But uh, uh, Rondi was funny. They had some of these video tributes to him that I saw online. And Rondi was like, well, at least now we finally know how old you are. Because I could never figure out how old you really were uh, when you were coaching. But. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it, he he's gonna he's absolutely gonna love this, and and I'm sure he's humbled by it. And uh, but you're right, it wasn't wasn't something that was in the front of my mind, like who they would put in. And uh, I think you know a lot of players. There's been talk about James Wilder. You know, is somebody that that some people feel has been overlooked because of what he contributed while he was here on some pretty bad football teams. Um, you know, and and of course there's a number number of others. I mean, I still think you know. Simeon Rice should be somebody they consider. You know, um, there, there's still a lot of great football players um, from that that those 2000 teams, and so uh, you know. But as far as I mean, I don't think anybody wasn't happy for Monty Kiffin because again, um, he's been sort of a you know sort of a constant um, with the Buccaneers for all those years, and so uh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see a, a, a you know a defensive coordinator, an assistant coach go into the Bucks ring of honor. We don't know the date yet. That'll be determined when the schedule comes out sometime at the end of April, usually 
Um, but make sure that uh, I know I talked to Warren Sapp a little bit because I ain't going to miss that one. <laughs> All those players really love Monty, and so it'll be a good night for sure. All right, speaking of, of people that will be in the Ring of Honor, maybe not this year, but certainly in the future, Gerald McCoy, he, he's still around. You know, he played the one year with Carolina. He's back in Tampa, has been. Of course, he never left here in terms of his family, uh, and he's been working out. He was on the Super Bowl 55 podcast with Rob Higgins, uh, and uh, it was pretty interesting. He had a really good interview with him. And, you know, he's been, he goes, if anybody has caught me, because they're asking him, like, you you know, you're always going to be a buck for life and all that. And he reiterated the story that, you know, he's already talked to the Glazers about um, wanting to sign a one, the proverbial one-day contract and retire as a buck. I'm a buccaneer, all that stuff. He goes, if you catch me in the morning going to my workouts, he goes, I've been wearing all the bucks gear. He goes, technically, I don't belong to any team. He goes, but I've been wearing bucks gear anyway. So what you're um, saying is he did not pull a dirt cutter. No, no, he did not. Yeah, right. Remember when Dirk took all his stuff and it ended up <laughs> Goodwill. Salvation Army or yeah. Goodwill or someplace? Yeah. That was crazy, by the way. Yeah, as soon as he was out, did... boom, like a day later, it's like Dirk Cutter's Bucks gear was at Goodwill. <laughs> yeah, so Gerald kept all his, but um, in fact, he said, you know, his last, after his last game, when they're clearing out their lockers, which he's gotten all too used to after the last game in his career with no playoff appearances, but... He said, you know, guys like Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton and then were coming up to him asking him for a jersey. He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem, man. I'll get you a jersey. He goes, no, no, we want the 93 Buccaneer jersey. We don't want the Carolina one. <laughs> it's like we want we want the 93 Buck jersey. So uh, maybe that was an indictment on how he played last year. I don't know. But, uh, well, and Cam you know, got to he, play against him a lot. So that would yeah, be, you know, sure. I could see where he sense. would definitely want that that way. Yeah, so, you know, that that's what he was known for. And it'd be kind of like, do you want Emmett Smith's number 22 with the Cardinals? I mean, no. You want the you Montana want Chiefs jersey or the Niners? Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I got the Niners one. I don't I don't have the Chiefs one, but I do have a Joe Montana autographed Niners one because I got to meet him. But um, so, anyway, I, I think that, uh, I, I you know, w- what he said was it would be cool because um, they asked him about the Super Bowl. Obviously, it's a Super Bowl 55 podcast. He goes, you know, a buddy of mine said the other day, Hey, what a what a perfect like, you know, dream scenario if you were to play uh, uh, in the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium and make that your last game. He goes, of course, I would probably still continue to play because I want to win another one. He goes, but um, that would you know that would be amazing. Now he's not talking about playing for the Bucks per se, um, but just you know, and there's been other guys that did it. They didn't walk off and retire, but Trent Dilfer, of course. You know, uh, after he left the Bucks, was the quarterback of the Ravens that won the Super Bowl over the Giants here. So uh, he's he's keenly aware that that game is in his hometown. He said it, it would be unbelievable. But he just wants to taste the postseason. He goes, I'm not trying to be greedy. He goes, look, a lot of players go through their entire careers, guys in the Hall of Fame that never played in a Super Bowl, never got to the Super Bowl. He goes, I just want to experience, you know, coming in after the 17th week of the season, uh, which may become 18 weeks, but coming in at the end of the season and saying, "Hey, I got one more game," you know, I don't, I don't have to pack up all my stuff and and go home. I've, I've got a game to prepare for, and I want a winner take uh, all game, or you know, winner moves on. Yeah, you know, survive in advance. Right. Yeah. So um, he's looking forward to doing that, but with whom I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll see what teams might have a market for Gerald McCoy again. Um, you know, he's he's at the end of his career. He's slowing down a bit. He had five sacks last year, but I think two and a half of those came against the Bucks in England. Um, so really, you know, the production wasn't what it has been. He didn't have didn't play as many snaps, but um, there might be a team out there that uh, that wants him. And he he certainly looks like he's preparing at least to try to play. So that's something. I'll tell you who can't play: the Tampa Bay Vipers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with the Vipers, man? 
Where do I begin? <laughs> well, I know where to begin. How about how about Let's... playing Quentin Flowers more? Yeah. I mean, they, they came out and the guy, you know, you saw the atmosphere. I mean, it wasn't, what, they have like 18,000 there, I think, mm-hmm. or the announced crowd of 18,000. By the way, did you and see he... St. Louis had over 30,000? I did. With the return of you... football there? I did. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it was. I mean, because they're starving for football in that market. So Yeah, I mean, they took the Rams away. They lost the Cardinals before that. So, yeah, that was cool. Seattle has drawn very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seattle is a great sports town. It's done well. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, they, they, they play this game, and Flowers is playing, and, um, you know, he, he scores a touchdown. They hadn't scored a touchdown in, in three games or two games, and, you know, he gets in the end zone running in, throwing, looked good doing both. Um, and then they took him out of the ball game and, you know, um, they had a chance to, uh, to use him at the goal line, uh, a chance to take the lead late in the fourth quarter. I think they had a first and goal at about the three or four yard line and he never got back in. I mean, here's a dual threat, right? Run pass threat down there in the red zone. Uh, and I think they ran it once for no yards and then threw three incompletions and, and lost the game. And I mean, Mark Tressman, look, he didn't have a great reputation, in the NFL as a head coach, he didn't last long with the Chicago Bears. Uh, you might be on the hottest seat in the in the uh, XFL already. Three games if in, you don't, yeah. And and what, what was there? There was a story somewhere I think that somebody posted that DraftKings uh, or somebody had a story that he yeah. lost the locker room. <laughs> I mean, do they even know who's in the locker room to lose it? I mean, do you even know like who the players are yet? Um, but yeah, I, I think it it rises and falls a little bit with uh, with Quentin Flowers. And it was such a – I've seen some video, you know, people were yelling uh, his name and, and he gets in the end zone and everybody's going nuts. And, I mean, you made the point before we came on. I mean, this is what the USF – I keep calling USFL. This is what the XFL should be. It should be about the quarterback position, guys who aren't getting the looks in the NFL for whatever reason, but mostly guys that can do stuff with their feet and their arm, right? Let mm-hmm. them play. Yeah, I mean, th- there's not enough pro-style quarterbacks for the NFL. I mean, we've, right. talk- we've talked about that before. You don't have enough to fill up the teams in the NFL. What do you think you're mm. finding in the XFL? Right. You, 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 you've got to find the quarterbacks that the NFL doesn't think can play or they don't have the time to develop. Exactly. And, and, and use those in the XFL. That's what's going to win ballgames, and that's what's going to get crowds excited too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially this home crowd. I mean, you had it all set up for yourself. You know what I mean? I mean, you had you had the right guy out there. He was doing some stuff. I just I don't know why this is so hard for Mark Tressman, who at least had to acknowledge because he's trying to fair, get an NFL job. Yeah, he's trying to run an NFL offense with pocket passers and um, instead of you know letting these quarterbacks because the, the the biggest use of this league for the NFL would be to develop quarterbacks. Now they're going to adopt some of the rules. I think that. That the XFL has implemented, like the kickoff, I, I would I would think the NFL would be smart to do that. Um, but in general, you know, developing quarterbacks is the hard thing. You just don't have enough reps for these guys um, that haven't taken snaps under center, that haven't played in a pro style offense. Um, and and yes, you know, there's there's some concern about guys taking too many hits as runners. Although that's why Lamar Jackson made it to 32 overall, and he was the MVP of the league last year. So who are we kidding, right? I think I saw where Johnny Manziel tweeted out Sunday morning um, that if the XFL, you know, or wants to, you know, really hit it big, they should sign him. And then he took the tweet down. So I don't know what that was all about. But um, I didn't think Johnny wanted to play in this league. But if I'm, you know, 
I, I think I would want him to play if I was anybody that had anything to do with the XFL. I'd want Tim Tebow, too. I want all those guys um, that the NFL, for one reason or another, thought um, you know weren't good enough or weren't enough of a pocket passer or what have you. But, man, 0-3 already in the uh, in Tampa Bay. We can't have nice things, man. I told well, you that, Well, you know, right? the Bucks started at what, 0-26? So the Vipers are just following the Tampa Bay <laughs> tradition. You think they'll have 26 games, do you? I'm not saying tw- I mean, they play less in the season. I'm just saying that you start I'm with a long saying, losing streak. That would mean that the XFL would last three seasons, which, uh, I don't know. Let's see if they make it back next year. Um, but, yeah, the Vipers, uh, Vipers go down. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Baseball is back, Steve. The Tampa Bay Rays, they lost, what, 4-3, to three, I think, to the Boston Red Sox. The score's not the thing, obviously. Came back and uh, and won against the Yankees, but uh, yeah, it's good to see, good to see baseball back. Yeah, did you see uh, fans uh, losing their signs at the Astros game because they had the signs at Houston asterisks and they t- confiscated the sign? What what are they going to do? Is this going to be a thing with them now? They're going to go around grabbing people's signs. They're going to do that in I mean, Houston too. I mean, if the sign's over the line, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you get vulgar. You know, yeah. those kind of things, sure. It said Houston it had an asterisk and then apostrophe S. That's what, I mean, that's that was what a simple be, sign that they took. what they're going to be called. I'm yeah. sorry, that's what they're being called, the asterisks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's you're going to confiscate that sign now? I mean, now, at this point, mm-hmm. you got to say no signs, period. Right. That right. no one can bring a sign in and says, you know, I love the Astros or, you know, put me on TV or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. If you're going to confiscate that, come on. Man, the more they get their back up, the more they're going to hear about it. You know, they need to let some of this stuff just roll off of them at this point. So um, the Rays uh, did some nice things. Susuko, I guess uh, he yeah. he looked good. Susuko, yeah, had a good uh, first impression, and even had some uh, fans from Japan in on their honeymoon mm-hmm. that came to see him. They were wearing their full gear from his team over there. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they were. Uh, a... Yeah, honeymooning in Florida, so they came to see uh, Susuko. I'm amazed, amazed they found Port Charlotte yes. <laughs> on their way on their way to Florida. You have to you have to be looking so, for it for sure. Yeah. And it was good to have Andy and Dave back on the radio. I heard listened to a little yeah. bit of the call over the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's always good. Baseball on the radio is so great. It is good. Although I, I saw something, I don't know if this is a thing, and I don't want to get sidetracked. We didn't talk about this before the podcast, but did I see where some teams are going to do live streaming now with their broadcast the instead A's, of on the radio? The A's this year will not have a radio partner. It'll just be on the app, bad app and streaming, uh, I think, through TuneIn. Uh, they've they've had that? some issues the last couple of years getting a rights deal in San Francisco. It's been They've been moved around, and, and they don't like – they've had issues because the Giants are the big team there. Right. So they play second fiddle. And sure. There's two sports stations there, and they were on the second sports station, but they didn't like how much that station talked about the Giants instead of the A's, and the relationship went really south. And last year they were on some talk station, and now this year they're just doing streaming. So, Do you think this could be a a trend, though? I mean, I know the A's are unique, as you just described it, but, I mean, could this be something that that occurs where teams just 
stay in house and say we're going to stream it here and if well, you can eventually eventually radio as we know it won't exist i mean right it, it costs a lot of money to run transmitters and towers and and to broadcast mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. um eventually things will go completely to streaming now that's not next year or three years from now it's still going to take a while yeah but i mean you're already seeing it look am radio is is struggling at this point yes mm-hmm. um you know, there, I mean, a lot of cars don't even have AM radios anymore. I thought about FM. that. You're right. Yeah, they'll have yeah, FM, you're right. but they don't mm-hmm. have AM radio stations. Um, and so, you know, AM's already kind of going by the wayside. I mean, there's still some very successful AM radio stations all over the country. But, um, you know, even in town, I mean, whether it's, you know, WFLA or WDAE, they are all on FM. They have what's called a translator. They're low-power FMs um, right. that cover a decent amount of range, but it's not as strong as... You're, what you think of an FM, whether it's, you know, WFLZ or, you know, QYK or you name the FM stations that have that cover, you know, hundreds of miles with their stick. Um, WDAE and WFLA are using translators, which cover it, it, it's 250 watts instead of 100,000 watts or 50,000 watts or whatever a radio station's broadcasting at. So um, right. you, you'll do you'll hear it in your car, but you can't hear it in your house because it can't penetrate the walls of your building because it's just not strong enough. But you can you that but they're trying to get on FM and be on FM because a lot of people don't listen to AM radio anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Well, well, I mean, we'll see if that, like you said, eventually everything's going to be streamed. But we're we're down the road from that. Yeah, it's heading. Uh, I mean, because as podcasting becomes more popular, as streaming and and you have apps like TuneIn or iHeartRadio sure. or Stitcher, you know, you name the apps. Um, yeah. as people have unlimited data plans now and yep. 5g is coming and things like that, where, mm-hmm. you know, the streaming, I mean, that's, you're cutting the cord on television. Now you hear it all the time about, you know, you don't need your cable provider anymore. You can get Hulu nope. or YouTube TV or that's PlayStation right. view. You name the service, you can get it now through the internet instead of through wires. Well, internet radio TV. is the same way. You can get it through the internet instead of through towers. Right. Um, and, and as it's going more and more that way, as, as our phones have CarPlay and Android Auto that automatically plug right into the car and everything that's mm-hmm. on our phone is now at our dash instantly. Right. I mean, you know, I, I haven't seen the ML, you know, MLB doesn't release numbers as far as how many people are streaming through their app. And, and it costs mm-hmm. money to do that, although I believe right. the A's will be free on TuneIn. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I imagine every year that number grows and grows and grows. How many people are listening that way instead of a traditional radio? I mean, you know, the dirty secret radio stations I want to tell you, but how many radios do you have in your house right now? Uh, right, none. <laughs> I mean, you know, but think yeah. about twenty years ago. How many radios did you have? Oh, in your house? everybody. Oh, yeah, you had a bunch. That yeah, was your alarm clock had. in your bedroom. You had one. Yeah, you had one everywhere because you listened to the radio all the time. Yep. You know, nowadays you maybe you have it's an alarm clock by your bed. Yeah, yeah, maybe you have right. an alarm clock by your bed with a radio, or if you're just really like radio, maybe you have one in a stereo system or near your TV. Yeah, or in your house near your TV. If you yeah. if you really are into radio and like that, but for the most part, you know, radio is listened to in the office or in the car. Not right. at home anymore, and unless you're streaming it maybe through your phone, then that's different. Or in my case, it's Alexa. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I can, exactly. It's, it's, it's streaming it. I mean, whether it's yeah, you know it's Google in, Home yeah. or you're using Tune In, whatever, you know, Amazon's yeah. Alexa, etc. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what that's the world has become. That I mean, it's coming to the internet now, and and television's mm-hmm. doing the same thing. I mean, um, it's fascinating. You know, if you get in the last few weeks, if you have television and you're using Rabbit Ears still. To mm-hmm. get, you know, or, you know, an antenna to get local channels. Uh, say you don't mm-hmm. pay a cable package, whatever else. You've noticed some stations have moved recently. 
They had to change frequencies. Mm-hmm. Um, the FCC bought back a lot of the licenses and a lot of the frequency band to sell it to the cable or the, the cell companies to create 5G and, and all the future, basically. And so a lot of TV stations had to move frequencies to get out of that frequency range, which is now what the cell companies are building 5G on and using. And so it takes less bandwidth for them now as the technology. And, and most people don't even notice it because they're not using rabbit ears or an antenna to get local television. They get it through cable or now whether it's your YouTube TV, your, you know, PlayStation view, whatever your streaming package is, that's, you know, where Mm -hmm. you get your local TV for the most part. So most people didn't even realize that happened, but some still do. Well, you know what I watched on TV over the weekend, I watched the lightning get get beat twice and I wasn't that surprised that the the Vegas game necessarily, but man, they took it on the chin in Phoenix. They did not show up. Might have been a hangover effect from from Vegas. Who knows? Well, I thought um, the first ten minutes of the Arizona game were looking good. I was like, all right, they're bouncing back from that Vegas game. Well, it was it, they were um, down three one, and they mm-hmm. they tied it up three to three, and then the wheels fell yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, and, and Chernak got hurt in the second period there, so your yeah. defensive core was limited again. I mean, you're already without McDonough and Ruda, um, mm-hmm. you know, so you've got those issues. I mean, they didn't play well in Arizona, you know, the last fifty minutes no. of the game. No. Um, but I like the comments coming out of the locker room. I mean, you know, John Cooper was pretty ticked off, it seemed. And, and, mm-hmm. and the players, too, were, you know, hey, that's not us. That's not the way we're going to play. I mean, you know, they know. I mean, in Vegas, Braden Point had the flu. You know, it was in his hotel room mm-hmm. for a couple of days and play. You don't know how many other players maybe are feeling some effects or sick from that, too. I mean, there's all kinds of things that go on with the team throughout a year. And it's not right. to make an excuse. Um, it's also a West Coast trip, and you lost two games on the West Coast. That happens. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't. Not the, you don't want to ever put that product they put out there. No, you don't. The last two periods in in Arizona, but but so. after twenty three two and one over a twenty six oh, game well, span, look, you're not. I, I'm not willing to go. To, yeah, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to sit there and go. Oh, they're in trouble now. Let's no, see no, how no, they no. respond this week. They got Toronto in town, then you get Chicago. Um, yeah, you know, it's a five game homestand now. Let's see how they respond there. You know, I mean, you weren't going to play that pace you were playing twenty three two and one for the rest of the season. Right. So, you know, you lose two on the West Coast. I don't like the way it happened, but let's see how they respond this week. So, Well, the only sad thing is they pinned all those goals on, on Vasilevsky, which wasn't fair, but, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, you hate he, leaving he your has, goalie out to dry like that. Yeah, and so I, I was a little sad. They happened quick at the end, but I was surprised that, that he was in there for all of them. So that was unfortunate. But, yeah, I mean, they're they're in fine position. They've been playing really, really well. And, and uh, you know, sometimes those West Coast trips are t- tough and – now they come home for a long homestand, and I, I would expect them to get going. The day Some, is the trade deadline. Sometimes a stinker or two is not a bad thing to get your team refocused. It's not. You know, not in an 82-game season, and you've built up a nice buffer between second and third place in the division right now. Sure. A stinker or two, is it, maybe it's not a bad thing long term. No. Um, now, today is the trade deadline, so we don't know what's going to happen, but they did make a move with a free agent, right? Yeah, so Zach Bogosian is a defenseman from Buffalo who – uh, was terminate his contract was terminated because he failed to report to the minors last week, uh, so he was an unrestricted free agent, and so the Lightning signed him. I think a one point three million dollar deal, which I believe is prorated, so there'll be like three hundred thousand dollars for the rest of the year. So he's a right-handed shot defenseman, a low risk move for a depth piece. Um, you know, come playoff time, if everybody's healthy, he may not even be in the lineup. Uh, but right. uh, a, a decent right-handed shot defenseman, which they don't have a lot of depth in the organization. And now with Chernak possibly out and uh, Ruda and McDonough still out, um, you need some more depth at defense there. So a low-risk move. 
Um, the Lightning, interestingly enough, now have three of the top five picks from the 2008 entry draft. That's crazy. They have Steven Stamkos, of course, who went number one to the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Zach Bogosian went number three, I believe, to the oh. Thrashers, if I recall. Mm. And then Luke Shen went number five to Toronto. That's crazy. So they have three of the top five picks from the 08 entry draft. Well, at least a couple of those guys are still playing pretty well. Well, and, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Luke Shen's, Luke Shen's uh, definitely made his presence known when he's in the lineup. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he brings he's, some thump to his game. He's a physical force, and that's something that I think that the Lightning appreciate and something uh, that they, they desperately needed. So, um, yeah, well, we'll see if the Lightning get back on track at home the, this week at Emily Arena. Hey, tomorrow we've got a special treat for you. Our buddy cop, Eduardo Encina, is going to join us. Yeah, we haven't seen- had him in a while. We haven't, and he's been he's been everywhere. He he's been covering the Vipers, of course, for the Tampa Bay Times, and um, he's also our spring training guy. He covered mm-hmm. the Rays over the weekend and been to a bunch of camps, including to the Houston Astros. We can ask him about that and just what he what he made of of uh, of that experience uh, during that press conference down there, and and the Rays as well. So lots of fun times to uh, to talk with Eduardo Encina. Uh, tomorrow and then of course i'm headed up to uh, indianapolis uh tomorrow evening or uh, later this evening i guess it would be and um we'll have jason light on tuesday uh to talk along with uh, bruce arian so you'll hear from those gentlemen and then the combine uh, you can watch it in prime time this year uh, yeah well the workouts they, they've switched yep. everything i'm wondering how it's going to affect the the uh the cocktail hours for these coaches because they used to do their interviews. You know, you used to be able to interview 60 players. You get It was like speed dating. They put these guys, they have a ho- bunch of hotel rooms, and you'll have like, well, this is the Bucks room, and the next door is the Panthers, and so on. But you, you'd arrange for interviews with these prospective draft picks, and you get 15 minutes with 60 players. Well, now it's been reduced to 45 players. Um, but those were always done at night. You know, the workouts were in the, in the daytime, the media in the daytime. Then about six o'clock, they'd start interviewing the players, and then about nine or ten, ten thirty, eleven, uh, all all the coaches go out and you know hit the streets, essentially in Indianapolis, and have a few beverages. But um, but now the uh, the workouts, of course, the NFL is no dummy, right? They're going to monetize this thing called the NFL Combine in the interest in the league in general, and so they're going to have these. Uh, you get to see the quarterbacks throw, you know, uh, closer to prime time, seven eight o'clock at night. Um, you know, on NFL Network. Or when whatnot. will Rich Eisen so, do his forty-yard dash? I don't know. I assume I that'll be prime time as year. well. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess it would be. I mean, that's it's amazing that he still. I can't even run forty yards, but he's <laughs> he's doing it under six flats. So I mean, you got to give him that. But in a suit too, he runs it in a, in a yep. suit and dress dress pants, I think. But uh, um, but yeah, it, it'll be a little different as far as the format goes. But for us, we'll. We'll still get you know a chance to to really listen to almost all the coaches and almost all the GMs uh, talk with the media. And there's a lot of stories. Obviously, you won't hear from Bill Belichick because he doesn't he doesn't normally participate. But John Gruden, of course, will be there, and um, you'll hear from uh, you know uh, new coach at Carolina. I mean, different. We get you know a bunch of scenarios where uh, Mike McCarthy's with Dallas. I mean, it's weird. You see these guys walking by in different colors, and you're used to seeing them. Um, but that's what the combine's all about. So. Well, of course, there'll be more Jameis Winston uh, news or Shaq Barrett rumors or, uh, you know, what else is, is going on? Tom Brady, the, the Tampa here, rumors. So. The, the, hey, <laughs> you know, I'm still I'm going to I'm going to keep hope alive from a news standpoint, because that would that would make uh, make my job pretty easy if I could just write about Brady every day. I think 
Can you imagine we'd be starting the, Tom Brady to the Bucks? Okay, uh, from the day he got here, it'd be there'd be something about Brady. Every I think day. we change the name of the podcast to Sports Day Tom Brady. It'd be Sports. Yeah, well, TB would stand for Tom Brady. <laughs> That's what I mean. It'd be Sports Day TB. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, TB twelve. We'd make it Sports yeah, Day Sports Day TB twelve. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can reach us on Twitter at Sports Day TB twelve. <laughs> That's the way it would go, man. I mean, that's uh, you know he, he'd own this place, but he's going to own any town. But my guess is, don't you? Doesn't it feel like he's going to go back to New England? What do you think? I mean, I guess he could be seduced, maybe by by LA. I think he's going Oakland? back to New England. I don't know if I ever that's believed right. he would go elsewhere. I mean, I think right, right. I, I he'll think, be one, he'll be seduced, but well, I know. no. I mean, I I think John Gruden would love to have him, and I think he's you know would actively pursue him. I'll tell you um, what, man. Oh my God, Woody! Woody I mean, well, I mean, for nothing else, Ve- I mean, you know, Vegas. You know, signed Gruden. Part of that was to make a splash move into Vegas. Absolutely. Imagine if you go into the new stadium in a new city with oh, Tom Brady as your quarterback. It'd be insane. It'd be insane. I mean, you yeah, know, that's totally what that's insane. what the the Raiders are about. Splash. I mean, that's what they love. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, from yep. You know, the Davis family. That's what they want. Absolutely. They like the juice, man. They like they like the market. I mean, they're in Vegas. They chose Las Vegas for God's sake. So yeah, they're all about the bright lights and and uh and, and you know, and, and Brady I think at the end of the day will will probably realize he's better with Belichick than, than not and they'll probably commit to bringing in some pretty good free agents and some players to help him out, which they really haven't done. But he's gotta decide that soon because I can tell you this, the Patriots aren't gonna wait. I mean, they're gonna wait for him to do the whole you know, shop around thing. They're going to move on and move on quickly. And um, so, I again, I think this is a good week for a lot of those scenarios to start to sort of come out. You know, they they, they seem to tumble out, right? We had Drew Brees, uh, what, last week or so, you know, decide to go back and play a 20th season there um, with the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, some of those dominoes still have to fall. But it's going to be a great week uh, up there in Indianapolis, a cold one as well. I think we got snow on Wednesday or Thursday, so I have to wear my jacket uh, and get all bundled up. But uh, make sure you keep it right here at Sports Day Tampa Bay uh, for the whole week. So Eduardo Encino tomorrow. Uh, of course, plenty of news from the Combine, maybe a mailbag later in the week. So lots going on. We're here Monday through Friday. Appreciate you guys listening. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 